Let us pray. Our precious Father, we want to thank you again for the privilege we have to study your word this evening. We trust you that you will teach us by your spirit and help us to understand your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're talking about walking in divine health, part three. Walking in divine health, part three. Now, we need to do some, um, we need to look at some things that will help us to see why we are struggling with faith, struggling with receiving from God, especially walking in health, because so many people are sick. So the reason we struggle with faith, some of the reason, is that many do not explain the reality of Scripture. It's simply because they do not know what the Scripture is saying. They don't know what the Scripture is saying. They don't understand the scripture. Secondly, they do, those who study do not even apply it to their lives correctly. Just what we do with, when we buy something, they put instructions there. We read it carelessly. We don't apply it correctly. The, the, the thing we bought doesn't work. We do the same thing with scripture. We, we treat scripture presumptuously and then make mistakes, because if you don't apply it exactly the way God says it, it's not God's word. So sometimes we don't apply it to our lives correctly, or we don't even apply it at all. So we apply what we perceive should work according to our own imagination. And sometimes it is mostly rituals and incantations, which we think is normal with spiritual experiences. Like I said, it's like receiving buying a product and then you have manner, you won't read the manner. You think you know how this will work. That's some of the things we do with the word of God. Then number three is sometimes we depend on a man who we think has direct link with the spirit world, who can conjure up miracles with the snap of the finger. And so we do not bother to know the truth. We do not bother to develop our faith. Because we think that, well, if anything happens, I'm looking for a man of God. You haven't been reading this Bible at all. That's your problem. Because if you read the Bible, you know that the scripture says that when Jesus went to his hometown, he could not heal them. The Bible says he could there do no mighty works. He couldn't. What can't means can't, couldn't. He said because of their unbelief, he couldn't. This thing doesn't work like that. Because of the unbelief, he could not do, he couldn't heal them. So when we trust men, we deviate from the word of God because the word of God never prescribes putting your confidence in a man who was saved by grace like you. Then many Christians do not even believe the Bible anyway, to start with, and do not read it. They don't think it's important. Those who really don't even read it meaningfully. They don't invest sufficient time and attention to it. They have their plans to meet their needs and resort to God when everything else fails. And then, so the only way to describe all of this that I've been talking about is lack of faith in God and lack of faith in His Word. Let us understand that if the Word of God does not rule your life, 
If it's not a life in you, it's because you really don't trust it. You don't, you don't lend yourself to its credits. You don't lend yourself to its authority, to the truth of it. And the word of God is not really a life in many people. Because they live the way they want. They expect the word of God to work for them regardless of whether they are ignorant of it, whether they live anyhow. It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. And then some people think because of their position in the church or title they have, then God is obligated to void his word and honor them. God is not honoring you. He says, my glory I will not share with anybody. It's not going to do that. You know, God will honor his son Jesus Christ. And when we believe in his son Jesus Christ, when we trust solely in him, then we benefit from the honor that God bestows on him. That's the way it works. Acts chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why marvel you at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? You see, Peter said, we didn't make this man to walk. You don't depend on us. We didn't make this man to walk. You know, in this present time, oh my God, you have a brand new, newly minted man of God whose man is the talk of the city, talk of the town. Jesus ceases to be the focus. That's demonic. Anything that will take away your focus from Jesus is focusing you on the arm of the flesh, focusing you on men. Demonic. Peter said, no, don't give us that glory. Don't glorify us. Don't talk about us. It's not, our, it's not us. Then verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers had glorified his son. So what you see happen is that God glorified his son and then we benefited from the glory that God was bestowing on his son because we believed in his son. We trust in his name, period. That's what happened. So when you rely on people, you are off mark. Our faith should be in Jesus. And as long as our faith is in Christ and God glorifies Jesus, we benefit from that glory like when we were healed by faith in his word, faith in his name. God is glorifying him, but we get the healing. He doesn't need the healing. So we get the healing. We get the benefit. We get the blessing. That's just the way it works. Now, if his word does not rule our lives, then we are out of sync with him. Let me say it from the onstart. Faith is supposed to be the life of the Christian. It's not something you pick up when you need it and then when you're done, you drop it off somewhere. It doesn't work like that. That's why many people don't experience nothing. Again, let's understand again that the word of God is, is truth. Truth has relevance in reality. Now, let me illustrate it this way. If you tell me, for instance, that if I mix water and salt, that I'll get a particular product. That's what you told me. Now, the relevance, the, the relevance of it, the proof that it is truth, is when I mix water and salt and get what you said. So in reality, the truth has relevance when it is proved that this is truth. So when, if I add water and salt and I get what you told me, then that thing you said to me is not truth. It's true. So the word of God has relevance also. In reality, it's proved 
Now, if I don't take water and salt and mix it, I will never get the product. It's the same thing with the word of God. If you don't act on it exactly the way it was prescribed, you won't get what it promises you. It won't get what it promises you. So to prove the truth that I just mentioned, you have to learn to act on the word all the time so that you get the result the word of God promises you. But you can't, you can't say when they say add water and salt, then you go and take crazine and water and mix and be complaining it's not working because you're not following instruction. Truth has relevance in reality. Word of God has relevance in reality. God says, prove me and see. Prove me and see. It's, it, when we do it correctly, when we follow it the way it was prescribed, then we see the reality of, of the word of God in our lives. And so the Bible says that doers see the result. Others deceive themselves. Add salt and water. It will give you this product. All you need to do is to do it exactly the way they told you in the quantity it's prescribed. See the result. If you are not going to do what they told you, or you begin to adjust it according to what somebody else told you, you're not going to get the result at all. So the Bible says, do us, see the result. But those who don't do are deceiving themselves. James chapter 1, 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So going to church, studying the Bible, quoting it, is good enough. But it has to end up, we have to end up doing it, adding the salt and water to get what he said. We will have to end up doing it. He said, he said, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgeteth what manner of man he was. 25. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, Continue daring, continue it daring, continue it to do the thing correctly daring. He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. Continue to do it correctly. You don't adjust it because an ignorant person told you something. You don't adjust it because, oh, a miracle has happened there. You don't. You follow it exactly the way it was prescribed continuously, and you get there. The result. And so, this is the only way you can experience God's reality in any situation, including healing and all the promises of God. Now, listen to this Proverbs 420. It says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. My child, pay attention. Pay attention. Listen carefully. We need to develop the attitude of listening to the word of God carefully. Do not be careless with it. Your life depends on this. Your victory depends on what God is saying. You can't afford to alter it. You cannot. Because you'll be toying with your victory, toying with your healing, toying with your blessings, toying with joy. You can't afford. You see, say, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully, carefully to my words. Some people, they, when, they, when, when you're teaching, they're not even interested in being taught. And then when you're teaching the word of God, they're sleeping, some are distracted. They say, listen carefully. To my, that's where failure starts. That's where healing is not coming. It's not just coming. 
Listen carefully to my verse 21. Don't lose sight of them. Don't take your eyes off what God is saying. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Follow instructions. Follow it carefully, consistently. Don't alter it. Don't, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't lean onto your own understanding and begin to guess and begin to walk in presumptions and begin to walk in hearsay and begin to introduce ritualism and begin to introduce denominational doctrines that have no basis whatsoever in scripture and begin to follow one man, so-called man of whatever you call him. Do not do that. The word of God is lamp onto your feet and light to show you the path to life and victory that God gave us. You can't find anybody wiser than God. He is the one that performed this word. So he's telling you exactly, follow my word carefully. He said to Joshua, see this book of the law, let it not depart from, your, from you, from your eyes. Focus on it and observe to do it. Then you become successful. You get healing, you get this, you get that, you get your prayers answered. We are going to begin to give prayer bulletin. We are going to publish it very soon to guide us in our fasting. So we do Bible-based fasting. Not punishing yourself for nothing. You can pay God for anything. So we do, we follow scriptures. We follow scriptures. And while I'm at it, fasting is one thing the Bible didn't give us details how to do. You didn't give anybody, you can't find one chapter and verse that the Bible teaches you how, this is how you fast. It's not there. But we found that people fasted and we do fast. So we're going to really see what light the scripture has given us. We put it together to guide us in our New Year praying and fasting. So we don't go to, to this thing that is common fad. Totally common fad that the scripture has nothing to do with. You can't replace Jesus. You cannot replace Jesus. Everything God gives us is free, fully paid for on the cross. You can't give God any other payment for nothing. It will stop you in your track. God is not for sale. His business is not for sale. He's not a man. So, the Bible says we should pay attention very well to what God is telling us. Now, People who live carelessly and do not bother to carefully, consistently follow the word and wonder why it does not work, it's up to them. We choose, we make choices in life. Colossians 3.16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. That's the instruction. That's the word. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom God gives. He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful heart. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Do it under his authority, what he has authorized you to do by his word. Don't, don't add, don't remove. The book of Revelation says do not do that. But people do that. People keep doing that. So let the word of God be alive in you, meaning let it be the controlling wisdom over all you do. Do exactly what the word says, or else will not be receiving what it promises. Second Peter 1.19, because of the experience 
we have, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. Pay close attention. Do not read the word of God carelessly. Pay close attention to what they wrote. The Bible says you must discern it correctly. Correctly, accurately discerning the word of God. Correctly discerning the word of God. Prayerfully getting the some correct interpretation from the Holy Spirit himself. You know, so he said because of that experience we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your heart. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. So you can't introduce your own understanding either. And I can't. It will poison the whole thing. 21, or from human initiative. So there is no human initiative as regards what God says. He doesn't need that. Nor those prophets who are, they say no, those prophets who are moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God, period. Doesn't need any initiative from me, from anybody else. It's, it's the, the purest. You can't improve on what God says. Again, like I said, it's the one that performs, performs it. So faith should not be a piecemeal approach thing. I'm just trying to review the things that hinder us. They hinder us, and they hinder us severely. When we're not patient enough, we start adjusting the word of God, trying to make it work. You can't make it work. You can only, it can only work when you follow exactly what God said. You can't, it's not from human initiative. The initiative is directly from God because he spoke the word before you were born. It works only when you follow it the way it was instructed. So faith should not be a piecemeal approach thing. Something you look for when you are sick, when you have trouble. Then when you are done with it, like when Corona was hitting town, people were prayerful, my God. And then when Corona receded, they dropped a lot of things. I remember, I remember standing here and warning you people, I said, don't do this now. <laughs> I said, don't do this now. I said, so, it's co- something is coming again. And it's hit town again. It's come again. Faith should not be a piecemeal something. It's not, that's not you. The judge shall live by his faith. You don't live, you don't wait. Oh, when I'm sick, I, I start, you don't learn to swim when, when you are sinking. It does not work like that. That's why many Christians do not see the reality of the truth of the word of God and wondering what's going on. There's alteration somewhere. God does not lie. His word is true. His word is faithful. God doesn't miss it. We do. Faith should be our lifestyle. It should be the life we live. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he calls it the life of faith. The just lives by his faith. It should be, that's our, trusting God is the way we live our lives. So that if anything comes, that's the way you live. Your faith is, is, is your lifestyle. It's what you do. It's what you do. So we should avoid things that do not help us build our faith, our life of faith. Second, First Timothy 1.4. 1 Timothy 1.4 says, don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths 
and spiritual pedigrees, these things only lead to meaningless speculations. Quit don't help people live a life of faith in God. Things that do not help you live a life of faith in God. Why are you wasting your time on them? Television programs of all sorts. You sit down to watch the news. Four hours you are still watching television. Four hours out of 24. Four. And you come to church one and a half hours you want to leave because you are living mostly in the flesh. Your spirit is dormant. And you wonder why you are not experiencing this thing. Faith is not a mental exercise. It's not something you do mentally. It's not a mental exercise. It's a purely spiritual exercise. Actually, the Christian life is a purely spiritual exercise. It is not a mental exercise. That's why the Bible says, don't lean on to your own understanding. In all of ways, acknowledge it. Christianity is not a mental exercise. It's a purely, exclusively spiritual exercise. That's why we live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Faith is not a mental thing. It's a revelation your spirit man gets from God. And you begin to act on it with understanding the Holy Spirit gives you. It has nothing to do with your mental realm. It connects your mental realm when your spirit begins to reveal to your mental, mental faculties what it is and you begin to act on it. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not initiated from your mental realm at all. It's not. There have been people in coma who speak in tongues. People in Kuba, they are speaking in tongues. Their spirit is very much alive. And be careful what you do about people who are in coma. They, their spirit is alive. It's alive. So what we're talking about is just, it's just what every Christian must understand and aim to live a life of faith. So you don't wait on when you are sick, when this thing happens, you start looking for scriptures. No. No, you should live by the, every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. That's the way we live. That's the way we live our life. That's what I'm trying to emphasize here. Now, we, in 2 Peter 3, 17, as for you, divinely loved ones, since you are forewarned of these things, be careful that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your firm grip on the truth. Don't let them lead you astray and you lose your firm grip on the truth. 18, but continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May he receive all the glory both now and that the day of eternity begins and we say amen. So faith is very important because we ca you cannot please God without it. So, I mean, that's our life. You want to please God, you live by faith. You can't live by confidence in yourself. You don't have, there's nothing called the, 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 your own personal grace. You live by the grace of God. You depend on God from beginning to the end. So you can't please God without faith because you are not, nobody has the capability to please God outside of God's help. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Now, we can't receive anything. James said, let not that man think we receive anything. Who doesn't ask in faith? We can't stand without it. The Bible says by faith we stand. You have no victory without it because faith is your victory. We have no shield to defend off the enemy's vicious attack because it is the shield of faith that quenches all of that. So the difficulty is that we do not see the, the place of faith in our relationship with God and in our daily lives. We do not see the importance of our faith. 
And what the enemy attacks is our faith. If our faith is compromised, our victory is compromised, our stand is compromised, our ability to receive is compromised, our ability to please God is compromised, we're done. We're done, totally done. That's why the, I was teaching that oh, when I started my Christian life, it's only obey, obey, obey. Obey God and obey, obey, obey. I, knew, I didn't see any joy because I'm obeying. I'm trying to obey. I'm not succeeding. They didn't teach me that I can't obey God without trusting God. The songwriter said, trust and obey. You trust first. And then God will make it possible for you to obey him. That's why without faith, you can't please him. I didn't learn that. Oh, obey all these legalistic things. I wouldn't, I couldn't. <laughs> Our leaders couldn't. I didn't know that by strength shall no man prevail. That the Lord is the strength of my life. And I do all things through that strength. I didn't know what it taught me. So now we don't even appreciate that the place of this confidence in God. That it is this strength, it is this confidence, it is this faith in God that activates divine power in our lives to do things that we can't do ourselves. To do things that is beyond us to do. And now, since faith comes by hearing the word of God, the first thing that we need to do is to listen to it, study it daily, have a proper mindset, being in the know of what is important and what God says. Second Peter 3.1. Beloved friends, this is now the second letter I've written to you, in which I've attempted to stir you up and awaken you to a proper mindset. So never forget, listen to this, so never forget both the prophets, both the prophets spoken, both the prophecies spoken by the holy prophets of old and the teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus, our Lord and Savior, spoken by the apostles. Don't forget this Old Testament and the New. Don't forget the Bible. Don't forget the Bible. So you can have a proper mindset of faith. Faith comes by knowing about Jesus. The Old Testament, they prophesied about him. The New Testament is his reality. He came. The gospels teach us what he did. Then the letters to the church, the Holy Spirit interprets everything Jesus did and how it's relevant to us today. What he achieved on the cross, you can't find it in Matthew, Mark, and those, no. But you find it in the letters that the Holy Spirit wrote to the church, interpreting the cross to us, interpreting the coming of Jesus, what it means, that he defeated the devil there, he gave us new life there, he, he, telling us we have eternal life through all of this, which we couldn't have known it if we didn't have the letters. So he said, don't forget what the apostles wrote, the word of God, the word of Jesus that they, they wrote to us, and don't forget the prophecies of the Old Testament. In other words, don't forget the Bible. Colossians 3.2, let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. Our, our roots must grow down in Christ. Our lives must be built upon Christ, the only foundation that God laid. It's the only foundation. There's no other foundation. And then, then our faith will now grow strong like a root that goes very, very deep into the ground. Colossians 3 system. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Now, this is, these are the instructions. This is what I'm saying. That we, we, we can't be casual about these things and expect to get the result. 
If we're not doers of the word, the Bible says we're simply deceiving ourselves. I think the greatest deceit is when somebody deceives himself. That's the greatest deceit. Well, somebody can deceive you because you don't know, but when you deceive yourself, I, I, I don't understand. So doing the word puts us in a position where we experience what the word says. We read it carefully. We follow the instructions. We live this life of faith, not because we want to be healed. No, but because that's our life. That's the way we live our lives. And the word of God is true and absolutely true and faithful and can be trusted. Now, let's look at, let's look at uh, being healed. Uh, we've done this, this background to help us understand the things that hinder us is when we don't take the word seriously, we don't live by it, we don't practice it. Remember, practice makes perfect. Then suddenly trouble comes, you want to practice what you don't know how to. I don't know how it works. Now, there are two ways that healing can come. I'm going through this to emphasize again because that's the way we get healed. First, let's see how God initiates healing for us. God can initiate healing. Number two, we too can initiate our healing at any time, at any point. So now let's see how God initiates healing. God initiates healing for us in exercise of his prerogative of mercy. God manifests the gifts of the spirit as he wills. As he wills. It's not dependent on you and me. It's solely dependent on divine activity. When God wants it, upon who he wants it, where he wants it. It has nothing to do with us. We're just simply recipients if God decides to do these things. Hebrew 2.4. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. He did these things when he wanted to. These about, they went to preach the gospel, and then the Bible said God was bearing their witness as they were preaching the gospel with this great move of God according to his own will, how he wanted it, upon how he wanted it. He just did all that stuff. Now, let's emphasize here that God does things, things according to his will all the time, not according to the man's will. A man does not control God's will. That means control, that's blasphemy. You can't control God. That's total blasphemy. That's make, putting yourself above God, that you're controlling what God does. You don't. Nobody does. The, God says nobody gives me counsel. So God does everything according to his own will. His will is the ultimate. If the scripture says we should not lean on to our own understanding, how do we expect that God will lean on to our own understanding? And then, you know, in Ephesians 1.11, he said, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things controlled by his will, what he wants to do. Even prayer, it's not about your will. Prayer is about God's will. People must know this. Prayer is establishing divine will. Jesus, when he came, he said, I came to do that will, oh God. At Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but your will. God does everything according to his will, not, no, not the will of any man at all. At all. James 1.18, of his own will, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. We were born again by his own will. It's not the will of man. Then 1 John 5.14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, then he will hear. If it's not according to his, his will, he's not in it because he does everything according to his will. Now, the reason we are bringing it, this up is that 
Some people think that there are people who have this privilege of controlling God. You know, they switch up the anointing when they like, switch it off when they like, pray, use it for, you pay them money, they do this, you give them money, they do this, you pay them the anointing. That is not Bible. That's demonic. God does this thing when he wants. You don't have to pay him. If you see anybody who tells you he controls the will of God, he controls the power of God, run for your dear life. That's demons. Satan. He's prideful. He said, I want to exalt myself to be above. That's what he's still talking about and doing. Isaiah 46 then. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. Only God can say, I will. The rest of us will say, if God, if, if he pleases God. Only God can say, I will. The book of James says, you can't say, I'm going to this place tomorrow. I'm doing this. Say, all, all that talk is, is pride, is sin. Only God can say, I will. Because he does his will. He said, I do my pleasure. Nobody, nobody gives God counsel. Are you kidding me? The scripture said, nobody, he said, are you wise to give him counsel? He said, if I, who can give him counsel? Nobody, no. So this aspect of God initiating healing is not controlled by man. All these acts of the Holy Spirit is not controlled by any human being. It is God acting independent of man, acting at exercise of prerogative of mercy. He says, I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And then the Lord Jesus said it now. Hebrews 10, 9. Then he said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. See, Jesus said, I came to do thy will. He said, my meat is to do the will of it that sent me. That's it. He said, I can't do anything of my own. Whatever I see my father do is what I do. He lived by the will of the father. Because he knew you couldn't go outside the will of God. That's like going outside the word of God. So there's nobody that says, oh, I'm so anointed. I, I do it when I like. When I no, it's not like that. Forget about all that prideful talk. It's as God's wills. It's, he, he, James said, you can't even say, I'm going to this city and I'll trade here and do. He said, also talk is, is pride. How can you now say, I can heal you when I like, I do it when I like. Don't you understand that that's demonic spirit? Example of God initiating healing. John 5, 2. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, but said that having five porches, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Look at the number of people who are sick here. Great multitude of impotent folk of blind heart without waiting for the moving of the water. For, for an angel will come down at a certain season into the pool and trouble the water. Whosoever then first, first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie, I knew that he had been long, now a long time in that case. He said unto him, Will that be made whole? This man didn't even pray, didn't ask to be healed, didn't even know who Jesus was. Will that be made whole? The, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool, but while I'm Coming, another step down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed, walk. Immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. 
and the same day was the Sabbath. So you see, this is God initiated this. this, this there's no faith, it's nothing, it's not prayer. He didn't even know who was talking to him. He wasn't even expecting it. And Jesus said, Okay, carry your bed, go. That divine will, prerogative of mercy, on whom he wishes to show it, this is God initiating healing on his own accord. You don't tell him all, the, the, all those thousands, many people there, none of them except that man, after Jesus talked to him, he walked away. He left these other ones because that's according to the will of the Father. That's what the Father knows who he wa- what he wants to do. Beyond human understanding, how he chooses this thing, you can't understand. I mean, he left all those people there, it was only one man. That's God's, God's initiated healing. Then let's look at Luke chapter 13, verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. I was bowed together and could, could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called out to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was mistress, glorified God. This woman didn't pray, didn't ask for it. Immediately Jesus saw her, I said, You are loose from infirmity. Laid hands on her, was healed. This is divinely initiated healing. Now, let me, let me say some points about this particular manifestation of God. This is not God's standard method of healing. Because if you read the Bible about the ministry of Jesus, three quarters of the time, he didn't operate this way. Three quarters of the time, he would say to them, thy faith has healed you. Thy faith has made you. Three, more, about three quarters of the time. He didn't operate this way. He wasn't going around and healing people who didn't want him. No, he would say, your faith made you whole, your faith made you whole, your faith made you whole. So this oppression of the Holy Spirit is not the standard method of God to heal people. It's not. Then Christians who do not take the word of God seriously and do not honor it and walk in ignorance and doubt and defeat and have no faith, they should understand that except you begin to honor the word of God, you are not going to receive revelation to receive your, your miracle, your healing. Because God expects us to receive healing by our own faith. By our own faith, like it, at the time of Jesus. That's what they were doing. Your faith healed you. Your faith healed you. So God wants us to live by faith. And our faith will bring us healing all the time. All the time. Bring us victory all the time. Luke chapter 8 verse 18. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But if you think you know what you are doing, you don't care for Bible studies, you don't care to study the Bible, you know too much, you're on your own, enjoy your life. But faith you won't get, victory you won't see. Absolute truth. So pay attention to how you hear, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Faith, faith is not coming. Forget it. The one you know, they will take it away from you. That's Bible. And because God expects us to be serious with his investment, he doesn't joke with his investment. And nobody does either. Look at Luke chapter 13 verse 6. He also spoke, spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then he said to the keeper of the vineyard, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit of this fig tree, find none. Cut it down. Why does he use up the ground? Why, does he, why should I be giving him 
my word, it doesn't use it, it's not producing fruit. He said, cut it down. Why am I wasting my investment on this person sitting in church, coming to church? It's not serious, it's not interested. Cut it down. Why does he use up the ground? Verse 8. But he answered and said, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. God wants returns on his investment. If God is feeding you the word, he expects you to imbibe it, be serious about it, live by it, produce results to his glory. Produce results. He said, he said this thing will be taken away from you and given to a nation who produces fruit. So when a Christian is not serious about the word of God, sitting there just doesn't care, doesn't think it's necessary, why should God give you what you don't, what you rejected, what you are playing religion with, what, doesn't, what you, you really don't want to follow, you don't want to do it. You're interested in your culture and all these things you are doing. And to whom much is given, much is expected. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of strife shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whosoever much is given, of him shall much be required. So God expects us to produce to, from the opportunities he's given us to study the Bible. To be in the Bible, to, he wants us to be humble and be teachable. The Spirit of God will always use the word as you've been taught, as you've been taught, as you've been taught. Because he expects us to teach, to sit down and be taught. Because there are teachers, he's put in the church to teach us. But if we are proud and we don't think it's important, we have something more important to do. You are the one that made the choice of failure. Not nobody else. You chose it. Nobody else. Hebrew 5.12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God, and that become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He can't use the word to fight off anything. It's unskillful. It's a babe. Babies can't fight. For he's a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, some of these things is, if God gives you the privilege to hear the word, especially if you belong to a church where the word is being taught and you're kidding with it, if you're expecting, if you're expecting the gift of the Spirit to heal you, you're wasting your time. It won't happen. I'm telling you the truth of it. It is not going to happen. Forget it. It won't happen. Why? The Bible says, if I'm giving you your word, my word, and you are not responding to it, it's even the one you have, I take it from you. I'm going to take it from you. I'm taking it from you. If he's taking it from you, how does it come to do gifts of the Spirit on you when he's taking even what he's giving you from you? Learn you bear because you don't honor the word. You don't need it. You don't want it. You don't care about it. So how do you expect him after he's taken what you have, even the little you have taken from you, he turns around and says, okay, since I took it from you, let me not heal you by supernatural means. It's not going to happen. Truth, period. So we wake up. Wake up. Hebrew 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's the point. Because thou has rejected knowledge, you don't want to be taught. You're not interested in studying the Bible. 
I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me. Since thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. God says, those who honor me, I will honor. So this divinely initiated healing is, is what God initiates by his will to show mercy. Or mostly the ignorant. The Bible says God shows mercy on the ignorant. People who have not had the privilege to hear the word. People who have not had the privilege given to us. Given to us. Then God will extend such things to them. But not those people that God is teaching and they will not hear and they will not listen. They are not doers. And God says, even the little they have, I'll take from them. God is not coming back to give you any other thing because even the one you have is being taken from you. But those who have not received at all, that's why if you read the scriptures, you find that it is when they are preaching the gospel to people who don't know God, that God is doing this thing to confirm that, yeah, this is true. But to the Christian, God expects him to live by faith because he will get the same thing, the same miracle, the same healing, by his faith. By his faith. The judge shall live by his faith, not by, not by the gifts of the Spirit. By his faith. By his faith. And those that believe all things are possible to them. So now that takes us to the second method of healing, which is the healing that we initiate ourselves. The healing that we initiate ourselves. Not the one that God initiates. Now, because the, the blessings of healing is the will of God for us to have all the blessings of God, including healing. So it's part of his will for you to take it. You don't ask whether God, no, 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 it's his, look at, look at again Ephesians 1:11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, we have obtained blessing. Inheritance is blessing you got from your father. An inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will. It is his will predestined that this inheritance is, our, is our ours. Healing is mine, healing is yours. It's according to his purpose for my life is that I should have healing when I want it. It's provided in the atonement. But we need to understand that divine blessings come via his word. It comes via his word. Come, the word is, is, the, is the thing that carries divine blessings to you. It's the word that the Holy Spirit performs. It's the word that he performs. Now Proverbs 4.20. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life. The word conveys divine blessing, brings life to those who find them, not those who don't care. And healing to their whole body. It brings you healing. It brings you life. It manifests the eternal life. It manifests the blessed life. It brings it. It, br- it conveys it. It's a carrier of the divine blessing. So the blessing comes via the word. Via the word. Acts 20, 32. And so now I entrust you into God's hand and the message of his grace, message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings, listen to this, all of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace. All of it. Because grace is telling you what God has done for you through the message of his grace, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. So now, if, the, if it's the will of God for me to be healed according to his purpose for my life, then I can reach out and take it. I can initiate it anytime. Now, let's, let, let's read this, this, this. Acts 14, 6. 
they were aware of it that Paul and Paul and Cole, they were aware of plans to harm them. So they were aware of it and fled into Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconia, and onto the region that lieth around about. And there they preached the gospel, the word of his grace, the gospel of grace. Eight, and there sat a certain man in Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb. Brethren, take note of this man. From his mother's womb, he's been a cripple who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him. Paul kept watching this man. The man was interested. He had attention. He was focused. Paul noticed this man. He noticed this man. This man was like, wow. The man was focused on this thing. Carefully listening. Carefully listening. Taking it serious. Giving it attention. My son, give attention to my word. This man was. And who stands really beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed now. Said with a loud voice, stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. There's no prayer. Brother, no prayer here. No prayer. He had. He believed. And Paul perceived that this man has gotten it. He said, you can now walk. You can get up. The man didn't say, well, you have no idea what you're talking about. I'm learning from my mother's womb. Do you understand I've never walked? Nope, 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 nope. Because he believed it, he acted. Faith is action. It's not a mental thing. Because if it's a mental thing, the man will be looking at his leg and say, I never walked. No way. This is a spiritual reality. And the man realized that this word is true. And he acted. He jumped. He didn't even try to pull his leg, whether it was stand. He jumped up. Faith is action. Without action, it's no faith. An action that is based on the word of God produces result. He jumped. He leaped and walked. He didn't say, let me try. We're like, no, no, no. He leaped and walked. That's how you initiate your will healing. You go to the word of God and hear it. And hear it. And faith comes. You act on it. No prayer. Nothing. Even if you want to pray, you can also pray, but your prayer should be Bible-based. And then you receive by faith. Because the book of James says, let not that man think shall receive anything from the Lord who doesn't act in faith. For it's unstable, who doesn't believe that he has received what he got, what God promised him? Now, uh, verse 10, now verse 11. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying, In the speech of Lycanium, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter, Paul Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before this, this city, brought oxen and gallons unto the gates. And who have done sacrifice with the people, which when apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying and saying, Sirs, why do you these things? Don't give us this honor. Oh, yeah, come to the present day reality. Oh, yeah, a freshly anointed man of God has arrived in town. He will be going with a motorcade, he will become God to be worshipped. I'm telling you. He's no more normal. He's no more like us. Now, see what Paul said. Verse 15. And saying, sirs, why do you distance? 
we, are, we also are men like of like passions with you. We are the same thing with you. The same thing with you now. And preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. Which made heaven and earth and sea and all things that they are in. If you want to know a man serving Jesus, he gives all the glory to Jesus all the time. All the time. Now, they had the gospel. Now, let me give you the gospel. So you could meditate upon it. On Thursday, I think we'll conclude on this. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Yet he was the one who carried our sickness. Did you hear that? And endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done. As one who was struck down by God and brought low. But it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced. And because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that was made, that made us completely whole. And in his woundings we found our healing. Have you found your healing? In the woundings of Christ. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole. The punishment of our sins, the consequences of our sins was on the son of the living God. He endured it. He carried it. He carried what, the, the causes that our sin produced, the sickness, the, all those things. He carried it. Have you found your healing in the wounds of Jesus? Have you found it in the blood that was dripping out of him, his life that he gave for us. The Bible says, please God to smite him. He pleased God to smite him. The Bible says, it's not because of what he did, it's because of what I did, because of what you did. He paid the price. He paid the consequences of all my sins and all your sins. And sickness has no grounds to be on my body because Jesus bore it all for me. Have you had it? Have you found your healing yet? Won't you jump up and walk? Won't you get up and walk? Won't you get up from the bed and say, no, no, no. He bought it and I'm not bearing it no more. You do what that man did. Go to these scriptures and begin to study them. Begin to study them until your faith rises up and you jump up and walk. Initiate your healing. Anywhere, anytime. Don't wait. There's no reason to be sick one more second because Jesus bore it. That's the word of God. The same gospel this man had is this same gospel that the Spirit of God is bringing to you. I expect us to share your testimony. And God, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless us. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for the word that has come out this evening to us, challenging us to, to also listen and to also believe like this man did and to also act like he acted. Trust you, Lord, to help us to continue to remember these things, to go back to this scripture you've given us this evening, to meditate on it day and night until it penetrates into our spirit. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.